Hi, Shalene. This is Kathleen. And I just wanted to thank you for doing the podcast with about Viome and leaky gut and gut health testing. I just got my results from Viome and I am thoroughly fascinated and surprised and some a little dismayed on mainly on the foods that I need to minimize and avoid. But I am fascinated by it all and I am looking forward to better gut health. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything that you are putting out there for us. Thank you. Welcome to The Shaleen Show. Shaleen is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Hey, how are you? I'm so happy you're here. And I know a lot of podcasters say that because I listen to podcasters and I always think, are you really happy I'm here? I don't know if they are, but I can tell you I am. I literally can't thank you enough for listening. It's your time that you're giving to me and there's nothing more valuable. So I wanted to bring to you a very valuable guest. Today on the podcast, Leanne Vogel. Leanne is the host of the Keto Diet Podcast. She's also the author of several best-selling books about keto. And her latest is specifically how keto can be very different for women. On today's show, we talk about her past struggles with eating disorders, orthorexia, body image, and even overdoing it with keto. We'll talk about what to do if you've tried the keto lifestyle and it just didn't work for you, what to do if the keto diet was working for you and now it's not. We go into so much more than just diet in this episode. So whether you're vegan or low fat or you eat a very specific diet or you're paleo or you're Mediterranean, whatever it is that you're doing, if you don't even have a diet, but you care about your health and more than just what you're eating and how you're exercising, like you really care about your mental health, your spiritual well-being, and just being on this journey of being a better person, you're going to love this episode. Now, before I bring her on, I want to suggest, and you can do this right while you're listening to the podcast, open up your Instagram app, I'm waiting, and then search for healthful, like helpful, but health, healthful pursuit on Instagram. That's Leanne's Instagram account. And I don't normally do this, but I really think she's one of those people that is worth your follow because you're just going to feel better. You know, there's so many people out there, you follow them and they make you feel like you're not enough or it's all one-sided about diet or exercise or whatever. And she's just a really cool chick. I love what she's doing with regard to body acceptance and sexuality and nutrition and diet and lifestyle. Like she's living her best life. She and her husband, I think this is so cool. They sold their house, bought an RV and then traveled around the United States for a year. And then they sold the RV, bought a boat. Neither of them know how to sail or anything about boats. They bought a boat and now they're living on a boat. I think they've been doing that now for almost a year. And I just think it's such a cool thing. All right, let's get to it. Leanne, thank you so much for joining me today from your boat. Thank you so much for having me, Shalene. It's a dream come true. <laughs> well, I'm pretty protective about my audience. I always try to bring them like really great people on the show. And as I mentioned to you before we started, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I've listened to countless episodes of your great podcast, by the way. We will put links to that as well as your YouTube channel and your Instagram below in my show notes. First of all, your YouTube channel goes way back. Like, I don't know anyone who has as much content as you. It goes all the way back to like 2007. <laughs> and I started watching your videos like probably four or five years ago. But then today before our interview, I, I went all the way back to the beginning to see like, oh, I wonder how much, you know her advice has, or, and who she is has changed over the course of these, gosh, more than 10 years in the way that mine has. And I mean, all the way back in 2007, you were talking about what I refer to as diet phasing, like changing your diet ever so often. You were talking about eating seasonally. I mean, you just were really light years ahead of where I was then talking about like internal health stress and eating unprocessed. And at that point, I was like living off of protein shakes, protein cookies, anything zero calories, zero fat, as fake as you could find it. If it just didn't have any nutrition, then that meant it didn't have any calories. And I was therefore winning 
So it's really cool to see like kind of your journey there. So I, re- I recommend people like, it's kind of fun to see that. What is it that got you so interested in nutrition at such a young age? I was a competitive dancer and I really had to care about the food that I was eating. How many years were you in dance? My whole life. Yeah. Oh, my wow. entire, wow. like from the time I could walk until the time I got so sick, I couldn't dance anymore. <laughs> so like the pink tights and the black leotard standing in front of a mirror with like hundreds of, or whatever, a bunch of girls and everyone just staring at their bodies. Yes. Yeah. There was that. I did lyrical, jazz, tap, ballet, and then I upgraded ballet to point. So I did wow. a whole gamut of dancing and manipulating your body into crazy shapes and movements. But that really came with food. And at that point, it was really the underlying tone was just like, don't eat a lot. <laughs> that yeah. was really, you know, if you can eat less, congratulations. Our studio yes. and all the girls used to eat or we would do juice fasts often. And that was very much encouraged. Like the parents would also help us do that. Wow. Isn't it crazy? It's so crazy looking back. Like why, why was that a thing? Like my mom. And it's okay. Like for for women, so many of our sports and the, the types of competition, whether it's gymnastics, think about it, gymnastics, ice skating, figure skating, diving, swimming, dance, running, name it, just about every sport, you're going to perform better if you are lighter, if you're smaller. Yes, completely. And you're competing against all the other girls. And being such a tall girl, I had a huge disadvantage because I had to be light enough to be lifted, but I had at least a foot of length (laughs) that other girls didn't have. So I, I had to be so, so thin. And that was really my first introduction to manipulating my food in order to get to the result that I wanted. Oh, I remember this thing I used to do to broccoli where I would Mom would give me the broccoli, I would cut the stems off, and I would only eat the little florets, like the little, the budding pieces. So I would like pick all of those off and I would still eat my broccoli, but leave all the hard stems. Rituals. All those little rituals, all those little things. Like, you know, my sister ate whatever she wanted and she would be like, here, have an Oreo cookie. I would like play with it and Uh. like part and then take out the frosting and then put the frosting aside and then break up the cookie and not actually eat it. It sounds like you had some eating disorder tendencies from a pretty young age. Did you? Yes. When I was 12, I was diagnosed with anorexia. And then when I was... Diagnosed. So does that mean your weight, you dropped so low? Like was the diagnosis your parents were seeing behaviors? Because I don't want our listeners to always assume like you can look at someone and know Hmm. that they're in trouble. You really can't look at somebody and know in my case with anorexia, it was very clear that I had an issue and my parents took me in to a bunch of therapists. I went into treatment. I ended, I think that was the first time I ended up in clinic where I was set up with machines and things. I was being force fed because I was very, very, very thin. But then when I quote unquote recovered, it was nowhere close to recovery whatsoever. But when I started eating, you know, pickles instead of not eating anything and I started dealing with bulimia, nobody knew about it. And that went on for a very long time, like at least three years until my parents were like, hey, you have a problem. You need to go back to therapy. And that's when I was diagnosed with bulimia. But eating disorders show up in very different bodies across all shapes and sizes and uh, histories. And so it's, it's really, really important that we understand, at least for me and my brain and my experience with an eating disorder, that it's all about behaviors and nothing to do with the way that you look. Like you can mm. be anorexic and be 300 pounds. Your weight yeah. is very limited function on that. It's all about behaviors. I'm so glad you said that because I've heard people people are very concerned saying, well, but I, I don't think she's a problem because, you know, she looks great. It doesn't look like she's lost any weight or, you know, she might even actually be up a couple of pounds. And that's not what it's about, even though that's what the media has portrayed it to be. And we recently have had Dr. Michaela on the show. We talked about the correlation between trauma and eating disorders. And this may be too personal, so feel free to pass on the question. But was there or have you discovered a correlation between eating disorders and your own past? I was sexually abused as a child. I think it was about three years old when it happened and my parents were so supportive and I got the wow. proper care that I needed. But I think there was that layer 
in there. Do you recall going to therapy or what does that mean, the proper care? Oh, I went to therapy. I was there all the time, it felt like. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a fan. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of therapy, of life coaches, of getting the support. Like, why do it alone? Like, yeah. I don't understand that. I think at a very young age, and I I feel very gifted to be able to have had this horrible experience and turned it into a, whenever I need help, whenever I feel alone, whenever I feel like I just can't do it by myself, Mm. I have no issue picking up the phone or doing a quick Google search and finding somebody in my area that can support me. Wow. You actually said I feel gifted by it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think any of our traumas, any of the things that we have a hard time forgiving, whether it be somebody did something to us or we did something to ourselves, any of that forgiveness piece, really seeing that as a gift is such a blessing, really. I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I hadn't have experienced what I had. And for a long time, as the eating disorder began to grow and grew and grew and completely took over my life to the point where my parents didn't know how to deal with me and they had to kick me out and I got addicted to drugs and all the things. Had I not experienced all those things, I held a lot of hatred toward myself, disgust toward myself for having these behaviors, but I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And I connect with so many women specifically all over the world who, I don't know how, but my story somehow connects with them and it changes. And that, like, I know that I was saved to have a very strong message and continue to push to be my most authentic self so that I could share that with people that need it. I think that that is such a blessing. So I'm I have I'm glad you shared that because that's a mind shift. I think so many people, are, maybe you're in the middle of it. Maybe you are yet not to a place where you can feel that it's a blessing. I don't know if you agree with me, Leanne, but I think for me anyways, I usually am kind of quiet about things that I'm going through. But like once I'm through it and I figured it out, then I believe that God has given me those challenges because it's part of his purpose for me to then turn and help others. And that's when I really feel like, oh, I, now I see how this is a gift, this horrible thing mm-hmm. that, you know, it's hard to see the gift when you're going through it. But like once you're through it, sometimes it does take just even turning to help one person. You're like, okay, this was a gift. Mm-hmm. And I think as you evolve and traumas happen. What's happened to me recently is as I'm going through the trauma, I can really step out of it and be like, okay, I know that things are being mirrored back to me in this moment because I'm supposed to learn something and I just need to hold on and have faith that it'll all Mm -hmm. come together because it always does. And I'm a strong, independent, wonderful woman and I will figure it out because I do. And so coming from such a powerful place, even when you're feeling powerless, to understand Mm. that you still have the power to react to the situation the way that you want to, even in the trauma. And so that's where the power lies. That's what I love. Can you kind of bring us along the journey? You are a competitive dancer. You get diagnosed with an eating disorder. You struggle with this for many years. You get kicked out of the house. You are struggling now, if I understand, with an eating disorder and drug addiction, and where does nutrition fit into this? (laughs) So I was 19. I had been out of the house for three years. I got myself through high school, got clean, got a good job, and that's when I was told to go to school for nutrition. I remember writing the check. It was $1,000, and I I did not have that money to pay for my first week's tuition and school books, but I was like, it'll just figure itself out, and it did, thank goodness. And I studied Mm. nutrition at a Canadian school for holistic nutrition. And that's really when it started to come together for me. It was really the beginning of the end of having an eating disorder. It took about eight years to get to the actual end, but Mm. I learned about physical, mental, and spiritual wellness and how all of that is intertwined and how to intuitively eat, which was a very different concept for me. And I still had a lot of those rituals like what we were talking about before. I was vegan. I had a huge fear around eating animal protein, which blows me away now because, oh my gosh, I (laughs) can eat a whole chicken in one sitting, no problem. Was it a fear of eating animal protein or was it for ethical reasons? Now I say it's a fear. Then it was ethical reasons, but I just said it was ethical because I didn't Mm. want to deal with the fact that I was terrified of eating animal. 
you practice veganism and you're even a raw vegan. And I can't imagine, I could be wrong, but I can't imagine that did wonders for your health. Oh, it was horrible. I went off hormonal birth control in 2007 and it was 2015 when I got my period back after eating wow. keto for about a, almost two years until I got my period back. Wow. Um, so yeah, I did a number on my body. I switched from competitive dancing to competitive running. I was doing CrossFit. So I would wake up in the morning, I would do at least a 15 kilometer run to CrossFit. I would do CrossFit and then run home mm. and then go to work. And at lunch, I would do stretches. And then after work, I would either go to the pool and do a swim first and then do a cycle or run more and then do a cycle and a swim. Like I always did these brick workouts afterward. Like it was just, it was crazy. And my body was so inflamed and I was always at the doctor dealing with inflammation and joint pain and I was doing tons of needling and massage and all I really needed to do was to stop doing all those things and eat a wow. whole lot. Yeah, it can transfer and so much of that is acceptable. If someone says, you, you know, right now I'm training three hours a day, you'd be like, okay, listen, I love you. Let's sit down. Let's talk. But if someone says, I'm training three hours a day because I'm getting ready for a triathlon, you're like, oh my gosh, it's wow. You're so inspirational. Mm -hmm. Or I'm training three hours a day right now because I'm doing my first competitive fitness show. We're like, that's amazing. Like we've made it okay because it's associated with a competition. My whole thing now is if you're not paid to be an athlete, you don't need to be working out more than an hour a day or caring mm -hmm. that much about your food. I just... I've been there, I've done it, and my body, you know, now I think I could lift really heavy things and probably be stronger than I've ever been before. I have zero interest to do that, and I think it could still be quite triggering for me to be in that environment, but I totally agree with you in that I just shifted my eating disorder behaviors over to workout behaviors, and then all of a sudden, everyone was like, what? You work out seven hours a day, and you also have time for working, and you're running your own business? Who are you, superwoman? And it was completely okay, but it really was not okay. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. When did you shift the way that you fuel your body to be interested in a ketogenic diet? It was 2014. I had been dabbling in paleo. It made me super constipated and I hated paleo. I didn't like eating all the sweet potatoes and the dates always hurt my stomach. I went to a doctor and I was having a hard time with my brick workouts. I wasn't gaining muscle and I wasn't like responding to the training well. And when my coach said like, how long has it been since your last period? I was counting on my fingers and I was like six years. And she's like, oh my gosh, what the heck? No, that's not go to the doctor. So she sent me to a naturopath who tested a bunch of things and said I was going to get diabetes and I needed to stop working out and I needed to go on low carb. And I was like, I'm an athlete. I can't do low carb. And that night, one of my girlfriends had posted a picture of what she ate and she used the hashtag keto on Instagram. And I clicked on that hashtag having no idea what the word keto was. And I saw all these pictures of these people eating Diet Coke and Slim Jims and sour cream. And I'm like, what the heck is this? <laughs> and that was my first introduction to keto. I so dirty keto at first, huh? <laughs> well, I didn't really do that because I'm sensitive to so many things because of all the things I've done to my body. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I can't do dairy and I can't do artificial sweeteners. So from the get-go, it was very like I'm eating broccoli and bacon and coconut cream and berries. That was kind of my thing. And I did that for six months. I lost a lot of hormone weight gain because I had been gaining weight a lot because my hormones were such a mess and I was on hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. And if a woman or a man who has struggled with eating disorders then loses a bunch of weight because of a diet, it can trigger them really quickly. Yeah, I went back like 10 years in eating disorder situation and was right back into bulimic craziness, like absolute craziness yeah. after months of eating keto. And then you really do have to be sensitive to these things. It's, you know, people say, well, do I need to count macros? Do I need to do this? Do I need to be keto? Do I need to be plant-based? I always say, it's, everyone is so, so different. What you need to do is really understand you. Mm -hmm. And that starts with self-awareness and recognizing that 
if you are the type of individual who is now obsessing about whether you're in ketosis or obsessing about whether you're completely plant-based, like whatever it is, once it crosses a line and it starts to take over your thinking and you're not able to be present in conversations and it's all consuming, no matter what the diet, no matter what the methodology, once it crosses that path, you've got to be aware that it's problematic. So for you, what was the first sign that like, okay, this is now something that I saw as being very healthy for me has become problematic? Mm. Going to bed hungry. Mm. That was the big one. And I knew my limits. I knew that that was a limit. I knew, like I knew while I was doing it, like Leanne, like the, the alarm bells are going off. You've been doing so well, this intuitive eating stuff. You're really getting a handle on it. What are you doing? But mm. I was so curious and I felt so good. And I was getting off my ADHD medications for the first time in my entire life. And my brain was feeling lit up and my hormones were getting better. I was losing weight. Like I felt more myself than I had in a really long time. And it was so hard to understand that this could be bad for me. What were some of the behaviors that you know started to become obsessive? So the going to bed hungry, tracking my fasting hours, like I would calculate on my fingers. I'm not very good at math. So I always had to calculate (laughs) how many hours it had been since I'd last eaten. Mm -hmm. I bought a food scale and I traveled with it. I was tracking all my food on my food app and there was one moment, this was kind of like the beginning stage of craziness was I was preparing my food and I put broccoli, broccoli seems to be a thing today. I eat yeah. a lot of broccoli, clearly. I was putting bro- <laughs> I should stop eating broccoli. Um, I put broccoli on my scale, I cooked it and then I started eating it and then I couldn't remember, did I weigh this? Did I weigh it before? I cooked it or after I cooked it and I had a complete panic attack. Like, wow. I stopped eating and then I was freaking out and I was playing with my app. I'm like, okay, well, the most that I could have eaten was 100 grams. Was it 100? Did I say 1,000? And I was losing it. Like, I was completely losing it. And I went on eating that way for three months until my husband and I were in Mexico for our honeymoon and I couldn't sleep at all. I didn't sleep for eight solid days. I just, wow. I couldn't fall asleep. And that's a normal thing. Not a normal thing, but a, a common experience that people will have on keto when they're not eating enough and they're forcing themselves to fast and they're way too low carb and they just, yeah, their cortisol gets so high and they just can't sleep. I've seen and been around people who take it to the point where it has become obsessive, where they're hungry and they're also practicing time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting. They're hungry, but they're not scheduled to eat until noon and it's 1140 and they're not going to eat. Or someone has made an amazing, you know, lower carb dish, but they need to know exactly how many dried cherries there were in the entire recipe and then divide it on their app and then they can't ha- it's just yes. you're just like you're not living a you're just so not fun to be around and <laughs> b it just can't be fun to be you like that you know i think and this can happen by the way i'm not just picking on keto this can happen for anyone certainly there are lots of us who did this when it came to fat, which is so funny. You know, we'd look at the package of everything and say, how many grams of fat does it have? Or how many grams of protein does it have? Or how many calories does it have? So it's just a matter of like picking one thing to obsess on. And it doesn't matter what the methodology or diet that you find is works best for you. For all of us, it can cross over. So you feel it crossing over there. And is this also about the time where, you know, you're building a platform around this, like people really, had you already written your first book? No, I had written my first digital book on keto, The Keto Beginning, and I was working on my next digital program, which was Fat Fueled, and I was like, oh no, what did I do? I'm six months in, I've sold thousands of these programs, and have I lied? Like, this is wrong. Like, I don't feel right. And I had this just there's been a couple of moments in my life where it's like divine intervention and it's like, I can't describe it, but it's like, I think one thing, one minute, and then it's like, I snap out of it mm. and I'm on a completely different path. Like, What was that new path? It was, I can't eat keto right now. 
I need mm-hmm. to go home from Mexico and I need to eat all the foods and I need <laughs> to eat all everything, everything from carbs <laughs> to sugar to candy. I am going to go to the candy store. I'm going to buy hundreds of dollars worth of candy and I'm just going to eat it. I'm going to go to the donut shop. I'm going to eat all the donuts and all the ice cream and all the everything that I've been denying myself for years and years, forever, forever. I'm going to eat everything. I forget what they call that in therapy. Something like exposure therapy, where like if you're afraid of heights, they take you up to the highest floor in a building and make you just overcome that. So you know, here you are exposing yourself, not exposing yourself, I, but that's how I want to describe it, mm-hmm. to all the things that have been off limit all your life. Yes. You decided to do that and you did it? I did it. And? I did it, girl. I did it for months. <laughs> I ate everything. Everything. Were you public with this, like with your platform no. or was it like on the DL? No, it was totally on the DL. I talked about it on, what was the app then? It was, was it Snapchat? There was something else. Periscope maybe? Periscope. That was it. I talked about hey, it now. on Periscope, but I kept it quite on the side because I was dealing with a lot of fear. Every bite that I took, I just said, I'm nourishing my body I'm nourishing my soul. And it's not that I was forcing myself to eat quote unquote bad food. I just like wanted it all. I just wanted it. I just wanted to wake up at two o'clock in the morning and I felt like waffles. And so I made them. So what happened to your health and what happened to your mental state? Like, was this a good thing? Yeah, I started working with a body image coach. Her name was Summer Inanen, and she coached me through a lot of this because I think I could have easily turned into bulimic behaviors, mm-hmm. but I was sick of it. I was tired of living this way. I was finally on the other side of like, I want to know the Leanne that isn't sick. And I know I have that in me. I'm just sick of it. I'm tired of living this life. I'm tired of living a lie. I just want to be normal. I just want to eat food and like it and not worry about it and not worry about my body. And so I think I had gotten to the stage where I just, I was so sick and tired and completely fed up. I can't imagine that there's a woman listening to you right now that isn't like, yeah, Yeah. so get it. I get it. You literally said, and it gave me chills. I want to know the Leanne who isn't sick. You call it sick. Some people call it obsessed. Some people call it insert adjective that you want to think of yourself as. Mm. We all want that. And I love that you were not afraid, even in your position, to say, I know there's someone out there who can help me. Because we all need coaches. We all need mentors. And we all, it's such an amazing thing to reach out and get help from someone to be a better human to be better at being ourselves. So you did that. You reach out to Summer and do you reach out to her while you're in the middle of this free fall or was she someone who recommended that you actually just give yourself permission to eat all the things? I just gave myself permission. It just came to me. I was like, I'm just going to eat all the things. And I was like, I should probably work with somebody so this doesn't turn ugly. (laughs) Okay. You know, so I reached out. I had been listening to her podcast, Fearless Rebel Radio for a while and she's just so amazing and also Canadian and I just contacted her and she was like yes and so we worked through that as I was writing my first book the keto diet I was eating all the things hoped that I would get back to keto because I did feel really good I knew that I needed to figure out a way that I could eat intuitively within the keto construct without going crazy again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so and how'd I, you do that I started craving kale and bacon and blueberries and like healthier food. And I was really sugar high and my brain didn't feel good. And I just didn't want, like I would sit in front of a thing of jelly beans and be like, I just don't want that. It doesn't make me feel good. And that was like, Uh I have jelly beans in front of me and I don't want to like just bury my face in it because it was allowed. I could have it if I wanted to. I was just not to have it. Yes. Slowly I started moving toward just because my body knew what keto felt like, I feel like just slowly I started moving back toward eating keto, but I wasn't forcing myself to fast. I still don't count how many hours I've fasted. And when I do count, I'm like, oh, trigger, okay, eating something because clearly I'm trying to stop myself from eating. So I wasn't forcing myself to fast. I wasn't counting my macros and I didn't care how many carbs I was eating. Like, you know, I like to call it informed eating where you're not avoiding something because someone told you you can't have it. You're making an informed decision to eat it or not to eat it. It's an informed decision. You know, just the way you sign an informed consent when you're doing something that, you know, has some risks involved. You're aware of the risks, but you're going to do it anyways. I really like informed eating because 
it really does empower you. Sometimes the word intuitive eating implies that you know what's good for you, and some people don't, right? Sometimes your intuition is so screwed up because you're following someone else's prescription or because you've restricted for so long that your intuition is such that you are in starvation mode. But informed eating really does require that you get educated. That education process is one that you have shared with your listeners, especially as it relates to how different keto can be for women versus men. And that's what your latest book really helps women to understand. So what are some of the biggest differences that women need to consider when they're trying keto or maybe they've been doing it for a really long time and, and now they're, they're experiencing negative side effects and they're just not willing to let go of that label. Yeah. I think the major thing, as soon as I got my period back after discovering keto on my own terms was eating right for my cycle. And that's like the biggest difference because guys, you know, their hormone cycle works on 24 hours. So they have a groundhog day situation where all of their days are always the same. But your day, if you're still menstruating, days one to five, so during your period, you'll generally find like you respond better to a higher protein ketogenic diet. This is usually where when you go out with friends, you're just like, I could just go for steak. Can we please go for steak? Mm -hmm. But if you're counting your macros, you're not doing that and you're keeping it at moderate protein. But days one to five, that's best to do higher protein. And then right after your period to two days or two days before ovulation, sorry. So that's usually days six to 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when we do really good with keto, like super low carb, high fat, like the traditional keto. So just think about that for a second. Days six to 11 of your cycle is really the only time you're doing a traditional ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. And then days 12 to 16, so that's two days before and two days after ovulation, I find that women respond really good to increasing their carbs in the form of glutathione-rich foods. That's when we crave things like broccoli, apples. That's a really big one. I can't tell you how many women I've been on tour and they're like, I just want an apple. I'm like, any chances you just ovulated? (laughs) So apples, grapefruit, oranges, tomatoes, like loading up your day with that. I practice a thing called carb ups where I eat my carbs Mm -hmm. in the evening. And so I'll eat keto all day. And then at night, I'll just lower the fat in my dinner and put an apple on a salad or load up on that broccoli or have a grapefruit after my dinner. And then the last piece of your cycle is days Mm -hmm. 17 to 28. So that's the third day following ovulation up Mm -hmm. until the last day before your period. And that's when we gravitate toward more starchy carbohydrates. So those carb ups where you're lowering your fat and your evening meal and increasing your carbs are going to be things like cassava, potatoes, sweet potatoes, plantains, any of those starchy things. I personally don't promote grains that much. But if you like grains and they feel really good in your body, go have some sushi. That's a great Mm -hmm. time to go have sushi. So that's just like that and discovering that and understanding how really you're only following a traditional ketogenic diet for like five to six days of your cycle and everything else is adjusted is one of the biggest differences because guys can just eat the same thing every day and thrive on it. And just wear a big t-shirt if they gain five pounds. Just to backtrack a little bit, you said you mentioned grains and sushi. So I don't want our listeners to be confused. What do you mean by if you're go have some sushi when you want some grains? Oh, with the white rice. So like the California rolls, like, yeah. So the grains, the white rice in there. Gotcha. Which of course, you know, for those of you who are doing just a sashimi version of your fish, make sure it's a healthier grade of fish. You got to be really careful about Farmed fish, you know, these places that popped up on every corner, like the poke bowls, et cetera, where you're like, oh, I'm just doing a bowl of tuna and avocado. And yeah, but just it's quality of your food too. It isn't just your macros. It is the quality of the food. I mostly make my own sashimi because I live on the ocean. So it's like, Amazing. I, forget, I forget that that's not a thing sometimes. But yeah, you're totally right. You need to be careful of that. But I think in moderation too, I mean... Because of my past, I try not to worry too much about everything. Otherwise, I just get so overwhelmed and in my head about it. Have like what we were talking about before is like 
leaning into it, feeling it, and also understanding your limits and your boundaries. For me, if I was like stressed out about everything I ate and the quality of it, I would be so triggered by everything. So for me, it's like, yeah, I'm going to make nice choices and obvious things. But if I'm out on tour and there's a burger place and I don't know if it's grass-fed beef, I'll still eat it. Yeah, that's true. We can't get ButcherBox to all of the restaurants. So where do you find really quality grade animal proteins? Like even when it comes to your fish, like I'm sure you are aware of the high level of lead, mercury, chemicals and toxins that are found even in our fish supply. How do you find, how can you trust the marketing that we see on meats, right? Unfortunately, so many companies are now labeling their meat as grass-fed and they're using that term very loosely. You wanna look for grass-finished meats. And that's why Brett and I, I've talked about it before, we only shop with ButcherBox. In fact, we have our meats shipped to us monthly. It's something that many of the people on our one-through-one method use. They ship anywhere in the United States. You can curate your box. You can decide what you want in it. And once you try grass-finished beef from animals that have been humanely raised, and they go to great extents not just to verify the way that the animal was raised and how they ate and that they are free of hormones or anything like that, but this is a company that is devoted to really caring about how the animal was raised and even that it was humanely treated in death. And I know that's a horrible thing to talk about, but frankly, I'm of the mindset that we should be eating more plants and fewer animals. And if we are going to eat animals, we need to care about how they were treated, what they ate, and how that's going to have an impact on our health. So I encourage you to look into ButcherBox. Like we love it. Our son Brock gets it delivered. Ashley Sweeney, who's our program director for the One Through One Method, her family also does ButcherBox. And right now they have an awesome special for anyone who listens to The Shaleen Show. You can go to butcherbox.com forward slash Shaleen and they put together a special offer just for my listeners. You guys, once you try it, You'll be like, what was I eating before? Like, it's completely different, completely different. It comes shipped to your door. It's frozen. They've got incredible customer service. You know, that's also very, very important to me. And I highly recommend you look into it. You won't go back. I promise you that you will not go back to eating conventional meat. It just makes it so much more convenient. Again, butcherbox.com forward slash Shaleen. All right, back to the show. Let me ask you then, you know, you are an expert on keto. Millions of people have been exposed in some way, either via your YouTubes or books or Instagram podcasts, and look to you as the expert. You as the expert, you're not tracking every single day your (laughs) ketones and your macros. Is that accurate to say? That's correct. I stopped tracking four years ago after I got my period back. So how do you handle, because, you know, I I watched uh, a live of yours once and I was like, oh, I know exactly what she's feeling right now. She wants to punch this person, but she's just (laughs) being so polite. And they were like, should I worry about what type of toothpaste I'm using if brushing my teeth is going to kick me out of ketosis? And I just wanted to like just choke the person. But then at the same time, I'm like, okay, have empathy. This is someone who's so obsessed that they're literally thinking about their toothpaste. This is a thing. So how do you handle serving an audience that sometimes their questions are so obsessive? They're missing the point of what health is. It is super triggering for me. And I don't think I realized how triggering it was until recently. I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of personal work since March, like an intense amount, probably more than I've ever done before. And I've realized, especially lately, how triggered I am by those questions where I would just answer them, but I think it would really get to me. And when I'm brushing my teeth, I would worry about it. Um, But I think with grace and just, I know it might sound silly, but I always imagine the person and sometimes I can't see their face or whatever, but sometimes I'll just close my eyes or like, I'll just kind of get in the zone and I'll just give them like a virtual hug because Mm. if you're that obsessed that you're worrying about your toothpaste, I just, I hope that you can feel my hug from really far away. And I hope that you understand that it's probably too much and that you get the support and help that you need so that you don't feel this out of control with things, you know? Oh, yeah. So I just- a wonderful way to look at it. Yeah, I'd give them a virtual hug. (laughs) Is it your intention that 
women really begin to just understand how to properly nourish their bodies without obsessing. How do you marry diet, diet meaning nutrition, not necessarily going on a diet, with accepting who you are and the way your body is serving you today, avoiding comparison? How do you marry those two things? So you live in the middle of nowhere where there's no other humans. No, I'm just kidding. Although that does really help. Um, nice. <laughs> it's a huge challenge. I think it's kind of a fake it till you make it thing. I think, you know, it's been four years since I've really pushed hard on myself to understand that nutrition is just a tool and eating all those things all those years ago and really getting a sense of what I that I choose to eat a certain way and that I know that when I eat a bowl of jelly beans, I just don't feel good. And I can do it if I want to, but it's not going to make me feel good. And do I want to deal with that right now? Not really. Having choice is a big thing. I feel mm. like we believe that we don't have a choice in what we eat and how we want to feel. And I think empowering ourselves to understand that you get to choose how you feel every moment of every day. It's not black or white thinking. There's a ton of gray area. And, you know, if you have a fruit bowl for breakfast, it doesn't make you feel good. It makes you super hungry. And now you're like, ah, I screwed up my own entire diet. Well, you didn't. Just like choose a better mm -hmm. lunch. Choose something that's going to make oh, you feel yes. good. I do this breath work that I've been doing for a couple of years now that when I get overwhelmed or I feel like I'm powerless or I feel like I've made, quote unquote, the wrong decision for myself with my diet, I'll close my eyes and count four inhale and count four, exhale. And I'll do that until I really focus on the breath and I stop thinking about that thing that was driving me nuts just a second ago. So, so you'll breathe in, count to four, let's do it. Yeah. Breathe you in. walk me through it. Yep. Two, three, four, breathe out. Two, three, four, breathe in. Two, three, four, and out. Two, three, four. And as you become more comfortable with that, you could do double time. So it's breathe in, two, three, four, breathe out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In, oh, double it. Two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And if you can't do four and eight, you could do three and six, you could do two and four, but it just really helps. Like that exhale really grounds you and really like sets your energy down. And it's just a really nice feeling to kind of like get in yourself and stop stressing about all those little, all those little things and accepting who you are. That's, that's a big, it's a big, big, big one, which um, it is a big one. You know, two things I wanted to mention in one of your podcasts, I heard you say, I've been beating myself up for falling off the bandwagon or when I fall off the bandwagon. And then I just realized there is no wagon. There's, There's no, no wagon, wagon to fall off of. Like, and I'm just like, oh, that's so great because it's the one message I get from listeners or people who have followed the one through one method. And I just want to say, but you missed the point if you think you've fallen off the bandwagon because there isn't a wagon. You're on a journey. And if you're alive, you're still on the journey. So you haven't fallen off the journey where people say, oh, I messed up. I really messed up. They just want to beat themselves up because they think they're on this imaginary wagon. I love that you point out that there isn't a wagon. Yes. You're on a journey. And if you're alive, you're on the journey. One thing I wanted to mention, I stopped following all the people who, frankly, a lot of them in my industry, you know, that they're saying, oh, you can get these amazing results in 30 minutes a day. And here's what I'm eating. And you just don't know. And, and that's not healthy for me. I don't want to be around it. I don't want to expose myself to it. I don't want to expose my audience to that. So many rules and, you know, good food, bad food, cheap foods. I just don't see any of that as being healthy. So I've unfollowed all those people. I don't look at those things. I started following really healthy people, body acceptance people, people who I just like them. And I, you know, I'm not, they don't make me feel like I have to compare myself. But lately, Leanne, I've found myself comparing my acceptance if you will. Like, wow, she doesn't feel like she has to shave her armpits. So I guess, I guess that means I'm not as accepting of myself or I don't feel comfortable doing that. So now I'm finding that I'm doing the same thing where I'm comparing my acceptance to other people's acceptance. Like, so does this mean I don't love myself as much? I think, and I've done a lot of work on this. Okay. When I judge people or when I even care about somebody else in any form of any way, mm -hmm. I always wonder, hmm, what does that mean about me? Why is this person getting to me? 
note to self, you're not responsible for the way that they respond to you. That's been a huge piece. And so when I'm on the other end of it and I start judging somebody or making up stories as to how somebody's expressing themselves, the universe has this beautiful way of mirroring things that we need to learn over Mm. and over and over again until (laughs) we continue to lean into it and ask questions. So when I'm judging somebody or I'm making up stories about somebody, I have to remember that all of this is in my head. And that I am just making all of this up and I need to lean into something that I'm trying to be, that the universe is trying to teach me. Like, mm. why do I have a problem with this person? Well, there, you know, I, I went to the beach with one of my girlfriends last weekend and I had a very set schedule in my head. We were going to go to the beach until noon and then at 12 o'clock we were going to get in the car and go out for lunch. Mm-hmm. And so 11.45 rolls around and our parking is almost done and, and I was like, okay, let's go. And she's like, I don't really want to go. Do you mind if we just stay here? I'd really like if we could stay here and we can just go for a late lunch. And I said, yeah, I guess that'll be fine. And so I (laughs) walked away and I went to go pay for the parking. And the whole time I was thinking, we had a plan and she didn't follow it. And why is she always changing her mind? And I started getting so negative. And then I kind of stepped back. I was like, Leanne, you're only pissed off because in that moment she expressed what she wanted and you didn't. You just didn't and you missed it and you didn't express yourself and deal with it. And so next time, express what you want. And I was like, yeah. That's That's great. There's always a lesson when we're judging somebody or being angry at the way that somebody's expressing themselves or how they're showing up to teach us something about ourselves. And the flip is true. If we see somebody and they totally inspire us and we're like, ah, you're amazing. I want to be just like you. It's because there's a feature that you're seeing that you already have that's Mm -hmm. in them that's sparking so much joy in you and you already have that ability. You already have the ability to be that person, to have that feature, to have that characteristic. So I've never thought of it that way before. That is really an interesting take on why certain people we gravitate towards them or we aspire to be like them because we already have some of those qualities. Yeah, yeah. So all the humans in our lives, the ones that wear the short booty shorts when they're 90, <laughs> the ones that drive us crazy because they don't want to go leave the beach or any of those things, it's all just lessons that teach us more about ourselves. And that's quite amazing. That is fantastic perspective. Thank you for that. Lastly, I wanted to ask if there is a woman, let's say, who's been on keto for a really long time and she has been struggling with her hormones, maybe even in adrenal fatigue. She's gaining weight, but she's afraid to do anything else because this is perhaps how she lost some weight or she had some success with it in the beginning. What are some of the most common reasons why that might happen? The major, major one is that she's probably been dieting for a super, super, super long time. And this is kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back and she needs to boost up her metabolism. You know, the more we diet and the more we go lower and lower and lower and lower in our intake of calories, the less our body can maintain. And so maybe your body runs on 2,000 calories a day and then you wanted to lose weight. So you went to 1,800 and you started losing. But then your body, every time you lower your calories, your body just down regulates a couple of processes. Like maybe your hair doesn't grow as fast. Maybe you have a tiny bit of acne. Maybe your nails aren't as strong. And all these little things you don't really notice until, you know, you're now eating 1,100 calories a day and your body just can't keep up with um, cortisol. It just can't do it anymore. And so you start to not be able to regulate your cortisol. Maybe you're creating too much or not enough, or maybe the progesterone in your body. Well, let's go further. The pregnenolone is being stolen so that Mm -hmm. it can create more cortisol because you're not eating enough. And then when that pregnenolone, a hormone that is a precursor for progesterone isn't created, then you lose your sex drive. So you're not moving as much. Your relationship isn't doing very well because you're never interested in having sex with your partner. And it's like these things are happening. And it's all because your body is just down-regulating, down-regulating, down-regulating. And isn't it crazy how that woman then thinks to herself, well, I've messed up. I just need to eat less. Like the solution to the problem is to create a bigger problem because that's what we, even though we, you've heard countless experts now tell you that it is not just calories in versus calories out. It is not that simple. 
you see so many women who still turn back to that, you know, and, and or I guess I need to do more cardio. They blame themselves. I guess I haven't been working hard enough. You know, I guess it was that whatever I had yesterday. They blame themselves. They eat less. They try to do more and they just assume they're broken. Yes, that's a huge piece. And because it's often worked for them in the past, like I am sure, and I know that the calories in, calories out model has worked for me and many, many people in the past. And so we think, well, if it worked once, we can do it again. And we're just not yeah. in the same place. And we, we have unintentionally, and really not by our fault, because we've all been told to do this for so long, we've unintentionally broken our metabolisms to the point where mm -hmm. At that point, if she's not losing and her hormones are a mess, she really needs to eat more. And that's probably going to come at weight gain. And that's the experience that I had when I just ate all the things and didn't care about, you know, you don't have to go to that extreme, but you do probably need to eat more. And that's what I work with a lot of women on in my 12-week program is like, boosting their metabolisms, getting them to eat a whole bunch. Like some of the macro calculations and calorie calculations are like, eat 3,700 calories a day. And they're like, oh, what? <laughs> but you need to boost your metabolism. So I would say that's like the number one thing. And then the second thing, and we touched on this a tiny bit, is the food quality. And yeah. quality isn't just, is it grass-fed, grass-finished? But it's also, is it good for you? I can't do a lot of nuts and seeds. Like whenever I do them, my scalp gets really itchy. I, my psoriasis gets super bad. And so I don't eat a lot of nuts and seeds. It's a quote unquote keto food and I just can't do a lot of it. You might not be able to do dairy. It could be causing you to gain weight on keto. You might not be able to do grains. And so every time, you know, you go out with friends and maybe it's alcohol or whatever the case may be, it might be perfect on your plan and you might incorporate it as a carb up and be totally fine, but it's just not the right food for you. So I would say like those are the two big ones. It's like your metabolism is busted. We got to fix that. And you mm -hmm. need to pick the right foods that are right for you. And no human can answer that question other than yourself. I couldn't have said it any better myself. We are on the same page. I really appreciate that. Leanne, thank you so much for everything you shared today and everything you do share with your community. It's really great to see someone who's very open about the journey themselves, helping so many women. I mean, you, you really know the woman that you're helping and you help to change so many people's lives. So I want to thank you today for your honesty, your vulnerability, and, and also just caring so much about your community. And thank you for serving mine. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast.